Hi everybody, welcome to Dr. Love. I am here tonight live with you. Well, it won't be live actually when you're when you're listening to this, but I'm here you're with alive right Professor now. Heartthrob. And I am live right now <laughs> as I'm saying this, but Professor Heartthrob has returned from his months-long voyage <laughs> it's good around to be back. the world. It's good to be back. How does it feel? You know, just did a did a lot of research, you know, is trying to help out for the show. I got some interviews lined up for the future episodes, so I'm excited, man. It's been good. I'm glad to be back with you. Yeah. Wish Coach Crush could be here. But. Yeah. You know, Coach, Coach is out there, you know, doing the hard work, doing the, 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 the work that doesn't bring any glory, but that will, that will be a good thing for the show in the future. Um, but yeah, it's good to be back. And the thing I'm most excited about tonight is not only the fact that we're both back on the same episode, but that we're back with some very, very special guests. Yeah, we uh, it's Professor Heartthrob and Dr. Love's grandparents. We got them on the episode and we're going to interview. We have a lot of good questions to ask them and, you know, <laughs> they have an awesome story. So we're just excited yeah. to hear we knew that you guys needed to hear this because it's one thing to interview somebody off the street or a friend, and it's another thing to interview the people who actually share, we share their lineage. So this is a, this is a big deal, guys. We don't want to mess this one up. So with, without further ado, um, if I could just get both of you to introduce yourselves, give us a 30 second to minute long individual all you can decide the order elevator pitch about yourself kind of where you're from your name obviously and and a couple things about you i guess and i'll let you take it from here i like that word elevator pitch yep. <laughs> I, I was like what is that <laughs> okay you want to go first or me no you okay you want my name yeah marcia butler okay I am quite old. I'm not going to. We won't reveal. ask you the number. No, I don't. don't worry. I'm not going to reveal my age because I'm a woman and it's personal. But um, yeah, we have been married 52 years. A blissful happiness. <laughs> have three kids and 11 grandchildren. And it's just. Uh, it really has been a, a long voyage, but a good one, a really great one. And now I will let Mr. Butler take over. Okay, I'm Dave Butler, and I've been married the same amount of time, which is... <laughs> 52 years. What, what That's a great, great coincidence. Yeah. And um, we went to school in the famous 60s. So it was the latter half of the 60s. And so we got to experience uh, a really pivotal, pivotal time in the history of our country as well as uh, in just the world because yeah. the baby boomers were a part of that group. And that, we met in college. Yeah, we met in college. During that turbulent time. Yes. That's well, actually was going to be the next question we we're going to lead into is tell us how you guys met and like, your oh, well, I was invited to a fraternity party. I was a freshman. I had only been at school maybe a week, and I was invited to this fraternity party, and I thought, 
that is going to be pretty dang cool to go to a fraternity party my first week in college. Wow popular yeah <laughs> and so i i went to this phi delta theta party and i walked in with a friend and kind of looked around and next thing i know i came up <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay so take us take us into your mindset at the time well it was my my second year at school we went to school in colorado Colorado State University, and so we met there. But um, she walked in, and I immediately knew that she was very attractive and that I really wanted to know her. And so, uh, you know, you... You you, you and a couple of other guys. Too. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. oh, okay. All right, so, so but the competition. You, but, you, but you gained confidence, you know, uh, my freshman year, I was not nearly as confident as my the next year. That you're a little more confident and less fearful of being rejected, because part of of reaching out in any kind of dating is the fear of being rejected, and you just have to get past that. So you're you're past it more, you know, by by that point. And so I went over and began to talk with her, and really enjoyed talking with her. And so we spent most of the time it was a rush party which means that there were other young men that were going to be freshmen at that university and they wanted good-looking girls there they wanted good-looking girls <laughs> to, to attract the, guys, sure, the freshman to, to guys make, but at the same time i was supposed to talk to them i don't think i talked to a soul other than marcia <laughs> and so uh, did you get very many pledges that I, year i can't remember whether we did <laughs> priorities priorities <laughs> so if, if we it, if right? we did i can't remember them and okay. so so then by the uh later you know the, they're supposed to go on for about an hour and a half or two hours and it was i i asked her if we she'd go with me and we'd go out to uh a and w to an a and w root beer and that's all okay. we did. We went and got uh, a root beer float or something like that and French fries. And so I remember that. So was my first thing. impression right here. Yeah, yeah. because yeah, we all both impressions. Yeah. So yeah, is you go. that I was not particularly impressed because he didn't like ketchup on his French fries. Ooh. And I was like, what? What? That, that's almost like un-American. You, wow. And I don't think he had ever tried it, so I forced him to try Good. ketchup on his fries. Wow. And then he became a changed person. So you almost blew it on the first day. <laughs> so that's because what I'm hearing. Almost. almost. Yeah, because of almost. ketchup. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> but somehow it didn't happen. Okay. So, so I'd say it worked Let out. me ask you this, Grandpa. Did you actually like the ketchup, or were you lying about it? No, I liked it. Okay, so you did like it. Okay, I, good, I, good, I good, just good. plain and simple spent my life without. Were you afraid of ketchup? No, I just. <laughs> did you not like it the first time you tried it? No, I can't remember. I really, it just wasn't something that I, I'd ever. I didn't like tomatoes, okay. and so I knew this was tomato ketchup, and so that's well, it. Okay, it was kind of immaterial in the part of it. It actually <laughs> didn't interfere. interfere it actually provided 
some good conversation during the time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. See, like kind of pushing each other, you kind of well, you're showing part, him something new, I guess. Part, yeah. part of any kind of a relationship <laughs> is you're learning about each other. And, and in, in that case, we were sharing things that other people around us didn't know about me. And all of a sudden she's right away knows more about me than, than a lot of the other people. And just simply and because of that. that's an important thing to know, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I think, I think that is a, that well, is a good piece. Do you think it was, a, it was immaterial? You've no, always I mean, remembered it's, it. I've always remembered it, and it's, you yeah. know, it's embedded in my mind. So that's interesting to me that you say, um, that you said what you said. And, and I think, you know, it sounds like you had this special connection fairly early Mm-hmm. from what it sounded like. Um, so you kind of have talked about n- initial impressions of each other, how you meet. Um, could you take a step back and kind of describe what the social scene was like for, let's say, people 18 to 25? My college You know, age. Back, in, back in the day. Like, what, what was that dynamic like in general? Well, uh, the 60s, and particularly the late 60s, were pretty loose, uh, as far as uh, if yeah, if you were interested in going out, you would simply ask somebody, and if they would go, now they might turn you down, or they might have something else that they're not able to go out. But but the reality is, you you that's how you got to know people, and so it it okay. You just but asked. the social scene, I would say, in the sixties. It was after that British music invasion with the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and everything became psychedelic and marijuana was becoming big and the drug scene was kind of taken over and the country was in that Vietnam War and there was a lot of turbulence and war demonstrations. So it was, it was kind of that kind of a scene. Well, it developed into that. Yeah. Okay. It it developed by the time we were we were getting out of school. Uh, there really, we didn't have much temptation with drugs when we first went to school. That was just not as common, and and so you didn't have a lot of marijuana. By the time we were leaving school, there was there was quite a bit more around. And okay. So that was that time when the Beatles were big and. That Paul McCartney thing came up where they, the rumors started that he was dead and we'd all sit in our dorm rooms and play the records backwards and it, you would hear the words, Paul is dead. <laughs> I mean, there were all these weird things. It was psychedelic, Dave. You're playing it down, but it was that psychedelic time with all that music. It well, was like in, real sitar. In, and, the, in the 69 and 70s, that's got, yeah. got about that. Okay. Wow. Well, that's uh, definitely some similarities, I guess you could say, to now in certain aspects. And it kind of sounds like that kind of marked a transition period in history, I guess you could say, within mm-hmm. America at least, yeah. from kind of being kind of more traditional values that you had before that were kind of more mainstream and shifting that. Mm-hmm into kind of what we now know today as kind of, I guess you could call like a modern social scene. Uh, 
for better or worse. Yeah. I mean that in this case probably worse, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and uh, beyond that, so so you guys, um, what would you say uh, about your experience dating uh, and and your time uh, in terms of being our age? What would you say is similar to today? And what would you say is different? Well, I don't know too much about similarities because there's huge differences. You know, we did not have any social media at all. So everything that we did was either on the t regular telephone or in person. And so there, you know, there wasn't any like text me and let me know where, where to meet you. You know, there wasn't anything like that. And the other thing that I is different is that when I was in high school and college, the dating was always just a couple dating. You'd go to dinner, you'd go to a movie. It wasn't even double dating very often. And nowadays it seems like there's group dates, you know, like your parents would send pictures of groups of you kids going to prom or going to homecoming or something and back mm. when when i was growing up that that was that would have been unheard of those are two things i think of and and building off that i, mm -hmm. I think that's interesting what you said about differences in just communication because of technology yeah what would you say like your observations now versus when you were experiencing it. How do you think that that's changed things? I've got an answer to okay. that. Uh, about a year and a half, maybe two years into uh, our relationship, and by then I was definitely, had fallen in love with Marcia. Uh, I went to, uh, for the summer, uh, I, I traveled to Anchorage, Alaska to work. And so uh, the, the cost of any kind of a long distance phone call at that point was fairly significant, so we just didn't do it much. But instead we wrote by letters. And so you would, she would write a letter and then I'd get it maybe three or four days after the fact. And then, you know, I'd write a letter and write back and waiting for letters and waiting for communication, uh, which today everything is immediate. You get immediate communication. Yeah. There is no waiting. And the waiting is really powerful in causing you to anticipate mm -hmm. in your relationship. It, it is by, it is one, it's a very strong builder. It, it's like, um, I don't know how to explain it. It's like having a a taste of a, of a delicious dessert, but you don't get the habit until a little bit. You just don't get all that you want. You want more. You, you end up loving it no loving it more and more and more. If somebody says, "Here, take ten pounds of it right now," you 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 get tired of it quickly, and and so you end up Dang. with this different kind of a feeling. We're waiting for those those letters to arrive, that was a special time. I, I just, it was an amazing time. I just uh, grew more in love with her just because I didn't get to 
be with her. And I didn't get to talk to her much. And all I got were these little cards and I, I recognized her handwriting. I loved her handwriting. I loved the way she signed her name and all that kind of stuff. And, and I feel bad for people now because they don't get that at all. It's just gone. Yeah, there's not much personal yeah, you get letter writing you, anymore. You just get these little And I find it even, printed. yeah, even now I like to do text messages like Happy Easter, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And yeah, good point, Dave. Um, to go off that, um, Grandpa, I remember you telling me that story a while back and someone I was talking to at the time, we won't get in this, that's for a future episode, but I, uh, they moved and I was writing them letters. And I remember you told me that um, and it encouraged me to write letters to them. And like you guys were saying, it's so much more personal mm -hmm. than just sending texts that, you know, it's just immediate responses. Um, I want to ask you this with the letters. Do you feel like, because with texting, I feel like I can misread text sometimes. Like, you know, it's not like face-to-face -face communication where you can misread stuff. Do you feel like you can, I'm trying to think how to put this. Do you think that you can misread stuff more on text than you can letters too? Because letters are way more personal. That's a good question. I, I, I don't know that I know the answer to that. Uh, I suppose that within any kind of writing uh, or where you're communicating in, in some sort of a form other than oral language where you've got the, the tone and you get to see hear the tone of voice and so on, you can, you can miscommunicate. But I don't recall ever feeling that but i'm i'm sure that you could you could still miss misread a, a letter yeah um, we didn't have little emojis either yeah the emojis. Either. that is a downside <laughs> yeah. i guess but <laughs> you can write like smiley faces on the letters yeah you can, yeah. You can write <laughs> the little smiley yeah, face you can, do all that. you can do all that one thing i'll say to all our viewers is if you haven't wrote letters to someone that you may be talking to right now or you're dating or whatever it is i would highly recommend it like after my grandpa told me that and i started like it was the most personal way of interacting with the person I've had, like obviously besides like face to face, yeah. but way better in texting. Like my grandpa was saying, like I would, I, I would look at the mail every day to wait and hear back yeah. from that person. I was yeah. so excited to hear. Um, I, yeah. Just highly recommend writing letters. It's great. It's a good thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So next question I have for you guys, um, and again, there's been some there's been some awesome things said so far. Oh, yeah. I'm still so excited about this. I can't wait for people to be listening to this. But if you could talk a little bit about your relationship. So you talked a little bit about the first date that you guys went on. Kind of how did you go about the process? from that point like where did you guys go from there after that first time when you met at the party went to the A&W where did you guys go and kind of like take us through kind of the the progression from that point well we would meet at the little campus shop and have coffee oh <laughs> coffee date coffee coffee dates Movies, dog races. Oh, dog races. Dog yeah. races. Can we, sorry, can we hear a little bit about yeah. that? I'm <laughs> very interested. Well, well, there were dog races, and we would take, we would spend like $20. That would be our limit. 
and we would wow. we would bet on the dogs, and I would judge them by their ta- curl of their tail, and <laughs> that is funny. That's cool. They're yeah, they're and they were fun. We 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 laughed we a lot. Limited our our betting <laughs> to the amount of money it took to go to a meal and a movie and a movie. And, and back then, $20 would have done it. Yeah, I, for sure. Now, it it might even be in less. But, yeah, seriously. But nonetheless, I don't believe we ever spent that much. We never bet that much because I would, I, I'm too You're cheap. cheap. <laughs> yeah, and so after, <laughs> if I lost, you know, $5, then I'm probably going to stop betting at the time. <laughs> so, so that well, would. $5 but was it a was lot still, of money. It was still fun. And so it was just a, a fun time. But we did a lot of the things that we did. But the most important thing was like the campus shop. Uh, talking. Talking. And, and getting Actually to know each conversing. other. And so that's the part that makes it hard because it's it's verbal. You're, you're going to look at each other. You're going to... Uh, you learn to read each other. Yeah. You learn to read faces and reactions and eye contact and all that kind yeah. of thing so there, there's a whole lot to that and then as you begin to become familiar with with your history and other people's history then you begin to put together uh, an understanding of of the other person you just it's really important piece of a relationship is to have that and in that process you become better and better friends Mm -hmm. and and i i'm always sad and i've said it many times early in our relationship and i continue to uh marcia's my best friend by by far i don't have why did you say you're sad about that i'm oh i'm sorry i said no i'm (laughs) sad okay okay okay. i started to say (laughs) i thought of this as i used to always say to her i'm sad for other people because i would i would have other friends and their best friend was some other guy and they're married and and their best friend was some other guy and i'm going well my best friend is marcia and by far if i had anyone that i wanted to do something with you know it it certainly wasn't well i wanted to go do it with someone else i wanted to do it with her and so whenever I would go someplace that would be really fun with other guys or with a fraternity or something, it would be fun. But I would be going, oh, it'd be fun to have Marsha there or I'd, I want to tell her about that. So it got to be where that was the primary relationship. And, and that friendship just became critical to our relationship. Um, going off that. Um, I want to go back a little bit to what you guys said earlier about like how it, there wasn't group dating back then. It was just mm-hmm. like couple, like just you two would go. Do you think one of the reasons, because Ben, I'm sure you're the same way with this is I know a lot of my friends now that are in relationships, they, their best friends are sometimes, you know, their guy friends or their girlfriends. It's not, it's not always their significant other. Do you think that has to do with like group dating today? And like, it's less intent, like less personal, I guess versus back then when it would just be you two. You know, I I I I don't know if that is I, I don't know what that mechanism is because I enjoyed all my relationships with other people and we had good friends that, that we were close to. 
uh, and we we like doing things with other people, but they it never I never ever felt that any of the others were in competition. Mm-hmm. They they just they they weren't in the same. I I didn't feel the same way about them as I did Marsha in any shape. So just never happened that way. I still like to do things, and we would. You know, I was part of a fraternity, and we do all kinds of. We did of the parties. Yeah. We had a lot of parties and stuff. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, college was a great time. What would you say if you had to think about the overall scope of your relationship? What would you say is a major regret that you have, if any, in you your mean, relationship? Since all, all right up to this point. Yeah. I guess just a regret that you have at some point. If if you have any, you don't have to, but... I don't have any major regrets. I guess the one thing I have regretted is that we didn't have more children. But we didn't have much money, and so it just didn't seem like it was very feasible. That would be the only regret, though, because God has blessed us with so much that you know, and I had a nice job for 25 years, and he was a good provider for all, ever since we've been married, and he had a great job that gave him the summers off, so we had family time together for all summers, so my only regret, I guess, would be just that one thing. Do you have any regrets? Well, they're more personal rather than a relationship with with Marsha I mean obviously there's always individual times where you you know you're you know you're selfish or whatever and you'd wish you hadn't been but those things it's hard to make those all just go away because we obviously are selfish people I guess one of my regrets would be the big huge argument we had out in front of the dorm one year over who had the highest voice, the guy in the Hollies or Frankie Valley? <laughs> those those were artists from a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, that's but a, I mean it was a, nice a serious argument. argument. Wow. I mean we were right in front of my dorm and we were just shouting at each other, and I got so mad I just jumped out of the car and slammed the door. <laughs> Never want to see you. <laughs> If that's the biggest argument you guys have had, I feel like that's a really good. That's <laughs> a great. We, yeah, we've I'm had. Say that. We've had. You know, part of part of marriage is learning how to argue. Mm-hmm. It really is because you have to learn how to to get mad at each other. You'll be around people that you don't know very well, and uh, uh, even a slight argument is really, you know, oh, this is really bad because this can. This could end. This could end the relationship. Well, you have to be able to come to the ability to argue where you know this isn't going to be the end of my love for my wife. It's not going to be the end of my marriage. This is. This is. You're not even. You're not even afraid of that. You'll say to me though, you better not keep going. You're gonna be sorry. <laughs> well, I don't remember many of those. You, Dave, you've done it. You'll say, 
if you keep going like that. That was, a, that was unique. <laughs> well, uh, so, so that, that's just, uh, anyway, go ahead. Well, okay, so everybody has regrets. Everybody has things that maybe you would have changed. Maybe it's personal. Maybe it's something. But, I mean, I feel like after hearing that, it sounds like you guys collectively don't have that many regrets which is a, no. a good thing i think a lot of people can't honestly say that so yeah. what would you say though if you had obviously there have been many successes throughout uh, your life and your life together <laughs> but what would you say stands out to you as a major success of your relationship the biggest success is our family it's you guys I mean, I honestly believe that. And like I said earlier, his job provided ample time for him to be a big part of the family. And we believed all along through our marriage while we, were ha while we had the kids that if you played and laughed together, you would stay together. And so we've always believed in laughter and having fun. Yeah, and doing things together yeah. that will be really fun memories. It's, it's just that's been part of our our approach. Like we said at, at um, GMP, HFMM, have fun and make memories. Should we clarify to the viewers what GMP? We should. Yeah. I think we definitely should. <laughs> so GMP is a camp that our grandparents put on every summer uh, with all the grandkids are invited and we spend a week at their house and we do all kinds of fun th activities. We do Bible studies together. We eat meals together. We play games. Like it's just a really special time. Competition. It's a yes, competition. A lot of competition. Lots of competition in Chopped. our family. Yeah, Chopped. Very, very competitive. Family. Yeah. Extremely oh, yeah. competitive. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. I mean like obviously like sports, but also with just things like cooking and random games too we'll find a way to make it competitive yeah uh, really sometimes too competitive <laughs> uh you know but uh but they've been doing it for some time now ever since some of the oldest ones well, you of were us 10. have been i was 10 you when were we 10 started. and you're 24 now yeah so, so it's 14 years yeah. 14 years of camp and uh it's just grown to include more of us every year mm -hmm. yeah kind of broad ages you know i i think back to your question about any regret i i was uh raised in a christian home but didn't uh it didn't seem to take and so i didn't become a christian till i was 26 and so I, if i had something that i wish had happened a lot earlier i would have said that i'd become a christian earlier because i uh it it would have it would have been good, and I probably would have had learned a little less sin. I'm a, you know, sin is just always a, an issue for people. But nonetheless, I'm real thankful. The Lord still took care of me, and uh, even before, in bringing me Marsha, because Marsha was a believer, and the Lord then um, saved me. So that's that's really made a difference. 
And because I had grown up around Christians and then had walked away from it, I was, I immediately believed that I didn't want that to happen to my kids. So part of what we've always believed is that we have to interact with our kids and then our grandkids to try to help them walk with the Lord and not walk away from it because I did. And so that's just been a, a, the primary focus of, of our life. I mean, we, we have good, a good church and things like that, but our family is the priority, every, always is. That's good. So, so um, I want to ask you that from a perspective of um, going away, because you said you were raised into a family of believers, like, going away from your faith and then coming back to it, what makes, so we always hear in scripture about being equally yoked in a relationship. Why do you think, to speaking to viewers that may not be believers or still on the edge of their faith, like why is it so important to be equally yoked in a marriage? Well. In a relationship in general. Uh, you know. Um, to be like-minded for one thing. Mm -hmm. You can't be like-minded if you aren't on the same page. You, there, everything in life is colored by your belief in God, if you have one. If you don't, it's either colored by your own personal, what seems right to you, or what the society tells you is right. But um, if, if one person, what is right and wrong is determined by God, and the other is what's right, in my opinion, well, you're gonna end up with trouble, and you're gonna end up with struggles, and it, it makes it much harder in life. And, and so I've got friends that are, that are, are married to unbelievers that uh, it, it's harder for them. I mean, they, they haven't just immediately divorced or anything like that, but it's just harder for them in life. And there's disappointments and struggles that, that, that they go through. And so that it, it can be more, it, can, it could end up in divorce. So I'm not saying that it can't, but fortunately the Lord was gracious to me and gave me a Christian wife even before he saved me. Now my parents were prayed for me and and so undoubtedly God answered their prayer but nonetheless it was a real blessing to me God's good yeah that is good that is good if I if I could ask you one question to wrap everything up in this interview what piece of advice would you give to the audience, you know, most of the audience is probably, I'd say between the ages of about 17, 18, and 30. What, if you could give one piece of advice, um, you could give this together or separately, what would you say? Well, kind of tagging onto what he just said, I would say don't get involved with an unbeliever. If you're, if you're a Christian, don't think that you're going to be able to change the other person because you're really not going to be able to. 
and you don't you know like if you were to get involved with a christian a non-christian girl either one of you my and and you could feel like you were getting serious even if it would really hurt to walk away from that relationship i would say you have to do it because you might hurt now but the hurt could be even worse in the future so i mean that would be my advice just rip off just, the band-aid yeah 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 that's good what about you well i you know i don't know that i have a perfect answer and i i don't want to contradict that but the lord has been gracious to me and so he took care of me even when i wasn't a believer and he he brought us together even when I wasn't. But Dave, if you so, remember back on those days, I was not walking with the Lord. It wasn't like right. I was this godly no, person no, no, that's dating true. an ungodly person. Right. It was like two ungodly people. Yeah, I'm I'm not Yeah. But I, what I like about that is it your story shows the redemption and the power that God had in your relationship where you easily could have gone down a different path together yeah, and never, you know, met That's the true. Lord and just kind of both lived your life and kind of, yeah, maybe you would have had a family and had kids, but it wouldn't have been the same. Right. But... God found you guys and brought you out of that, which I think is really special. And yeah. I think it's honestly kind of inspirational because you don't hear a lot of stories like that. And um, I think that that definitely should be something that's celebrated because I think that's awesome. And I, I, I hope I aspire to have that kind of godly relationship in the future. Hopefully yeah. maybe, maybe, you know, nobody goes and traverses the exact same path, but mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's a testament to your faith now that, I mean, you can look and not have regrets, even though maybe your relationship started in a way that might not have been perfect. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, just looking around at and, you know, hearing what's going on in the dating world and 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 different, just listening to that, fear is such a big part. Of, of right now and I had no fear going into the relationship it was fun I, I had fun going in my relationship with Marcia never involved fear I don't think hers did with me either and yet there were times that I was fearful that God protected me I look back and I go okay God protected me by making me fearful of of, well, I don't want to embarrass myself, so I'm not going to act like I know what all's going on because I might. And, and I look back and I go, okay, God was taking care of me, even then when I, I wasn't a believer yet. So fear is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And particularly, you know, if you're, you're not sure where the fear comes from, you've got to honor that and say, okay, well, maybe the Lord doesn't want that. On the other hand, you've, you've got to you've got to know yourself well enough to know uh, you can't get to know people without g putting yourself at risk 
uh, of being hurt. And that's a different kind of fear. That's, that's a different one. And so you, you have to go, okay, I've got to find out about this person. And so that's a different, different part of it. And, and I had to learn that. I mean, I think we all do. You have to learn to be willing to take a risk and a little bit. And I'm not talking about a risk with an unbeliever. I'm not saying that at all. But a risk about, okay, someone could tell me they're not interested in me and that's going to hurt me. Well, that's Don't be life. Afraid. Yeah, yeah, you got to go on. I think that's something a lot of people need to hear right now too, especially in like the digital era where everyone is just scared of kind of interacting face-to-face. People feels like I've forgotten how to interact with each other. Yeah. And without behind like not being behind a screen of a phone or right. whatever it is. And so your story of how you went up to, to grandma and just approached her and just started interacting with her, that's just that five seconds of courage we need just to go up and yeah. kind of put ourselves out there. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's, that's why like Dr. Love, why we, one reason why we even wanted to do it in the first place is because we want people to be bold and we want people to actually take the steps forward in order to to do things like that because it's something that i think is a major struggle at least in our generation um yeah i think there's more things though right now to be fearful of than there were yeah you know i mean the world is so totally different now than it was in the 60s even and i you know i don't know how i would feel if i was 22 right now right i'm you know there are it's it's just more i think it is a scarier world than it was i i agree totally yeah you do have to be not fearful to take a step if if you feel that that god's leading you to do that yeah well we just wanted to say thank you one more time to you guys for being on the show i'm really uh, really thankful to have got to do this interview alongside with Professor Hardthrob here. Yes. You know, this has been Dr. Love, uh, and we will see you next time.